Time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. Good morning. I have a question for you guys. Go ahead. Crisis in the Pac-12 or unique circumstances, and it happens to be that one-sixth of the coaches left to go to other Power 5 conferences on other jobs. Okay, we're going to save that for next week since there's no jazz games. <laughs> so call us Tuesday at 8 o'clock. <clears throat> It's a little bit uh, business as usual. Check my Twitter feed. I retweeted a column that an Arizona columnist wrote down in Tucson, and he goes to the history of the that this Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12, this is what always happens. Well, now, sometimes it's the NFL that's doing it, so that's a little different deal. But he's got plenty of examples of other colleges, yeah. Ohio State, ripping away a good And, and nobody cared time. when SC was winning titles. Yep. And this is the Pac-12 isn't interested in competing with these other conferences at the level. So, if you're looking for the most amount of money that you can possibly squeeze out of an employer, the Pac-12 isn't for you. They're more interested in a comprehensive athletic program. They sponsor most schools sponsor over 20 sports. Ohio State, which has one of the biggest budgets, does not uh, sponsor 20 sports, and most of the money goes into football. And the Pac-12 isn't going to do that. And so if you're Utah, what's the impact of this? Kyle, at some point, will stop coaching, maybe when he's 80. So, um, no, sooner than you think. I think that, uh, that Pac-12 coaches, you, either you just accept that you bring in a guy, he has some success, and then after a few years, you're going to have to replace him. I mean, I think one is a little surprising, but whatever. But certainly after three or five or six, no. you're going to have to replace him. No. But if you, you hire someone with local yeah. ties, which is what Kyle has, then you've got a better chance at holding on to them and having a and, decade-long and run. And Scally's on deck, and he's not going to run for an extra million dollars. I mean, that an extra million dollars, you lose 600000 of that right off the bat. And if Locke's Democrats get in there, it will be 700000 well, I was going to say, if 600000 I didn't know that Elizabeth got elected yet. <laughs> well, I'm also counting 10% that he'll give to his faith. Uh, so. And 10% to his agent? Yeah, so the point being, if you have a local guy, he's not going to be as quick to go chase. So get somebody. Whereas if you hire Rich Rod from across the country, he's going to get in a plane and go across the country and interview for another job. What do you expect? Like he did. What do you expect? Yeah. Right, but what's interesting what's interesting about that is if you're only looking at local candidates, your pool is so small. Now, we have a unique circumstance where we feel like Morgan Scally is the right next choice, but most schools that just is limiting your potential applicants at such a small number. Or maybe there's Utah has a really built in advantage that there's a faith issue going on that is unique to Utah, which, you know, Arizona or Colorado or Cal Berkeley or Oregon, Oregon State doesn't have. So, yeah, um, yeah I can buy that to a degree, but I think it's growing. Uh, I think that there's people have, you don't literally have to grow up here and play high school ball here and all that stuff. I mean, you got, but you have to have some kind of connection to the to the. Yeah, area. but for I me, mean, like for or if we're using Oregon, and maybe Oregon's a bad mall because they have the Nike money, but didn't Taggett leave Oregon to go to Florida State? But yep. yeah, but that uh, was more home for him too. What was Florida State? Yeah, the state of Florida. So I mean, it's yeah. interesting. Like if if Oregon, let's just pretend Oregon doesn't have Phil Knight. But if Oregon's only selecting coaches that like have a tie to Portland, that's a pretty small pool. Uh, it is for them, yeah. 
but they don't have to worry about it because they do have the money. So if you're Corvallis or Pullman or um, even maybe Seattle, that gets that gets tight. Sure, I know, but I mean, with really those, li- you're with really those programs, your application. With those programs I think going I guess to... my point is you might be better off getting coaches that are good, bring the program up for four years. and Well, you can do what you know, Urban Meyer did, sure. prepared, yeah. Yeah. But they're going, the point is, they're going to leave for bigger money. So the Pac-12 accepts it and is willing to deal with it, and away you go. But see, that's nothing new because Oregon State hasn't been to a Rose Bowl since the mid-60s, and Washington State has been to a couple, but they went 70 years without going. So those guys have always been battling uphill. Right. No differently than Mississippi State and Mississippi and most of the Power all, Five programs. All those pro, right. All those programs that have no chance in the SEC. They're not going to win at all costs in this conference. And then the fans don't demand it. Do you demand it as a Stanford fan, win at all costs? No. Right. But as an Alabama fan, you do. And they still don't win all the time. It's a great ride with Saban, but, you know, when it's over, good luck. I mean, when Bear Bryant was over, you know, good luck. It was up and down for a while there. Right. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if the Willie Taggart is like the cautionary tale and it's repeated where Pac-12 schools can eventually say, oh, you want to be, I mean, Willie, yeah, he took a high-profile job, but he was out in two years and he's at Florida Atlantic. Why don't yeah. you stay here where because you can Because he win? got an $18 million buyout <laughs> at Florida State. I mean, look at what Michigan State's doing. There's no Pac-12 team that is going to pay their coach in January a $4.3 million retention bonus only to have him quit a month later, then pay a coach who's got five wins one season, paying $5.4 million, and pay his $3 million buyout. Which he wouldn't need paid if he hadn't moved in the first place. Will somebody think, hey, I'm making $4 million bucks and I know I can win here and I can coach as long as I want and I can run the show? Will someone settle in at a Pac-12 school doing that? Or yes. Two or three guys? Yes. Because that's all you need in the league anyway. Which is what we have in Utah. <laughs> right. What do you think about uh, John Wilner's idea of Sark for Colorado? Party time. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. He, he's never won. He's already had two chances in the Pac-12. You, you want seven and five? He's charm? your guy. And I guess maybe seven he didn't and five. Win it. He, he, what was his best at Washington? What, what, go look it up. What was it? Look it up, Snake. I don't know. I'm with I'm with Yock. I think it's going to be eight and five. Yeah. Well, I said seven and five. I only know what I know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> 2013, its fifth year, he was eight and four. Mm. That was high watermark. Five wins, then three seven win seasons, and then eight and four. He went to USC, went nine and four, and then at three and two, he was gone. Though it's interesting, USC hasn't had you know nine and four. USC has actually been pretty good, and I have to look at Washington and see what he was before. What Washington was before they were terrible. He took over. They were terrible so. because they had their own twelve season. He had to rebuild it from right. literally ground so that zero. Reson- that resume is actually pretty good. Colorado's got to get one of his own. Are you going to go through the same thing? That's why they're trying to get the enemy. Yeah. Find somebody. There's got to be somebody out there. That's the way to go in these situations. Or do like John the Devils Wil- did. John Wilner's article today made it seem like uh, Colorado was trying to – I felt as though there was Colorado PR telling him the enemy was not a candidate. was my vibe I got from Wilner's article today. You know, there's the other thing that you go out and you get a coach who is, um, who's been a lifer but isn't the uh, sexy pick, you know, Urban Meyer. I mean, he was headed up. I mean, you could just 
everybody knew, and so great. But you go out and like Rocky Long has this great run at San Diego State, and you didn't go off chasing more money. They're a group of five teams. There's a ton of teams with more money, and they got three conference titles out of them before he left. Craig Bull at Wyoming. Wyoming's having their their best times. Didn't Troy Taylor have a good year at Sac State this year? He did. He did. Might be interesting. Big time year relative to where they were. Yeah. yeah. But you're not going to get a big sky coach to go to a power five. It's not happening. That's too big a jump. Yeah. He's got a, he can get a Mountain West, but he's not going to go power five. And a God bless San Diego State, but a power five is not higher than a 68-year-old Rocky Long. Ready to talk a little Utah jazz, David? Sure. See, I just had a day of like reading other stuff. <laughs> right. That's what the All-Star break's all about. Clearly, in the, there was the first third of the season, and there were struggles, and they made some moves, and some guys who were on the team improved, and the middle of the third of the season was way better than the first third. How much better do you think the Jazz can get, will get, in the final third of the season? Uh, it'll be on the defensive end if it's going to happen. Um, can they, you know, can they figure out who they are defensively? Uh, we are now seeing, you know, there's a script on how to play the Jazz. The last two teams that have done it did not were not victorious, um, and actually Miami didn't do it well. And it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Miami actually bailed out of it pretty quickly, and that is, you know, you play basically without a center, you spread the floor, you pull Gobert usually to a corner and then attack from the other side, or you try to pull Gobert to the high quadrant and attack behind him, and he can't get there in time. Um, that's the script. I mean, Houston wrote it. League saw it. Everyone copied it. It worked pretty well. Portland did it. Um, Denver doesn't do it quite the same because they had Jokic, but it's there's a, some similarities to it that you've occupied Gobert at free throw line, extended or above, and then you're running action behind him. Um, so their back cutting offense and things they do is pretty similar. Um, so I, you know, I think we've seen the script that Jazz won in Houston and had an okay defensive night um, against what I really think is you know, going to be the story of the second half of the season is that Houston small ball because the numbers, whether small ball is the right answer, it is for Houston unquestionably, and Clint Capella was an anchor to what they were doing, and Houston's going to be a really big force in the second half of the season, um, particularly in that short of sample size. My only concern on Houston is just with the wear and tear on 34-year-old P.J. Tucker and the wear and tear on everyone just playing seven players and playing, you know, but um, I, I think they'll be... You know, they'll be 22-7, and seven, something of that in the final um, in the final 29 games. I think they'll be a real, really big force. Uh, so I think, you know, we're gonna, we, the, if the Jazz are going to get better, it's going to be playing teams like that, those type of defensive, you know, that defensive assignment, that setup is going to be what the Jazz have to get used to, and they're going to need to by the time the playoffs are here. So what were the differences to you with the five-game losing streak compared to the four-game winning streak now? Well, I thought Rudy Gobert had an interesting comment post-game. Uh, Jake Scott grabbed it uh, after the interview and Tim Lacombe on our post-game radio show, which is terrific, which you can um, listen to at 12A to Zone, 97.5. They also post it, if you miss it after games, they post it up on the website, so go grab it at 12A to Zone, um, dot com. The I think that's the right site. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but anyway, I um, I thought Rudy just said chemistry-wise, we've you know we just got a lot better. Um, which I thought was interesting. I, you know, I just think this that this we still have just a really you know a team emerging, going through things for the first time. You know, Rudy and Donovan, first time All Stars. I think that had an impact. Um, 
I just think there's a lot of I thought there were a lot of little things. I thought that's actually what had me most nervous about that five game streak is it wasn't something like Quinn Snyder could go into the um you know, magic booth of Quinn Snyder coaching and come out with a new answer. Um, I thought there were probably six or seven different things that were taking place, some mental fatigue, some physical fatigue. Rudy is, Rudy, you know, commented they had to come together better. Um, you had, you know, I, I think some unique performances by DeMar DeRozan and Dame Lillard. You had some unique matchups, Houston, the first team that spread them out. There were just so many different little things that happened, I think, in that side that there wasn't one thing. Uh, Mike Conley reintegration certainly was part of that. Um, I, but I was not, there was not one thing to me that took place that caused that. And so it actually had me nervous that there was, you know, there was a chance it would continue just because there were so many different items going on. So now with the Jazz at the All-Star break, a half game behind the Clippers and a game and a half behind the Nuggets, do you think now that they got some of that figured out that uh, second and third place are realistic goals where they can finish up and, and be the three or two seed? Well, I don't know if it's realistic. I mean, I think it's going to be insane. Um, it's going to be really – this is going to be one of the most incredible 29 stretches of games in a dead sprint with no margin of error that and I think teams are going to like limp into the playoffs which is really going to be the interesting thing like Dallas and Oklahoma City I think are going to rest their guys near the end of the season and be really fresh and the two and three seeds will have been clawing to make sure that they're not four or five to and probably be exhausted by the time they hit the playoffs I think it's going to be a fascinating um, run here you know the four or five seed is just the worst you know you're either going to you're going to get either la denver utah or houston two of them in four or five playing the lakers next i mean it's just the difference between being two three this year and four or five is so considerable um i i think that it's you know it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens and what do we have denver's got a game up on the clippers and lakers in the lost column and then the rockets who i do think are going to go you know 22 and 7 or something in their final stretch here i think they're going to be very very difficult for people to handle if they stay healthy um are two games back in the lost column so this is and then i just don't think teams are going to lose very much so the movement inside of the the standings is going to be limited. I think you're going to have these nights where you win every night where you win and you look and say, gosh, everyone else won too. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of trip ups. There's, there's that usual little span when there's about 14 games left in the season where teams blink and that'll be the interesting stretch. That's always been the story every year. Teams come out of the break. They sprint out of the break. They suddenly lose their kind of legs, shall we say with about, you know, three to four weeks left in the season, the finish line's a little further than they thought, and they have a bad two-week stretch, and then they kind of regain it in the final week when things are on the line. So that'll be, it'll, that'll be the pattern. It'll be interesting to see who trips up the most in that middle stre- stretch. Now you say there's a big difference between 2-3 and then beyond that. Is that based on having to play the Lakers or something else? Well, I, don't, I mean, I think there's a – so right now it seems reasonable you'd get the Rockets, who are a matchup that – it's going to be very difficult to deal with in the playoffs. And you're, you know, you're playing the greatest offensive player in the world in that series. That's a pretty hard one to win. Now, I think there's a ch- chance that the Rockets go jump up to two or three, and then so then you're playing either the Clippers or the Nuggets in four or five if it, if we're there. So, um, and I would actually guess in that circumstance it's probably the Clippers. So, I mean, if your choices are Nugget, you know, Mavericks, Nuggets, or Clippers. Lakers or Rockets Lakers or Mavericks Nuggets. I'm taking Mavericks Nuggets. Okay. 
So basically, the quality of the 4 or 5 series, no matter who it is, is going to be outstanding. So it sucks to be in that first round matchup. And your reward then is, even if you win it, is the second round with the Lakers. So it's just brutal. Who, who will have just swept their series? And be waiting for you. So are the Clippers right. ever going to have a run where they have their team together and really fine-tune it? Because it seems like they get a couple games together and then it's a back-to-back and Kawhi's off. Now it's uh, another injury for Paul George. I guess right at the All-Star break is the perfect time to have it, I suppose. But uh, are they going to have a run where they get guys together for 15, 20 games? Because basketball, essentially, from Jerry Sloan saying it 25 years ago to uh, Rudy Gobert just saying in the last game – Chemistry matters, and you got to have you know split singing. Everyone's got to be on the same page. Do you have a box score from last night's game? Can you tell me what the Clippers' assist numbers were last night? Um, yes, I do. Like hundred. They had nineteen had assists on forty-six baskets. Okay, to your point, like that is not a cohesive group. You watch them play; that they are not playing. They are not playing a cohesive game of basketball. They're playing a huge amount of one-on-one. Their shot distribution's all whacked out. Um, So in in the uh, Clippers-Celtic game, Kawhi Leonard took 27 shots. Lou Williams took 33. That's 60 of the 110 shots to two guys. Right. How many assists did Lou Williams have? Lou Williams had uh, had eight assists. Kawhi had four. How about Kawhi? Kawhi had four. That's 12 12 of their 19 right there. So if anybody else touches the ball, they're not passing because those guys are taking all the shots. Right, by the way, that's the way I look at assists, just to share with you. So you look at Lou Williams, takes 33 shots, which jumps off, and then you say, oh, well, he had eight assists, it's okay. No, 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 go look and see if the other guys have any assists, because if they don't, it means that they're, like, so excited to actually touch the ball <laughs> that they shot. Harrell had 24 points and three assists. Okay. So. Uh, I'm curious just to bring it full circle here. Uh, you know, when people watch how Mike Conley fits in and really look at the flow of the offense and all that, and I think that's getting a lot better. But to your point about defense, to bring this all full circle, how, how, uh, how much are other teams looking forward to playing against a small backcourt if they've moved Rudy Gobert to a corner or way up above the free throw line, and then Donovan and Mike Conley are out there as basically a couple of six-footers? How much of a problem will that be at the defensive end for the Jazz? Well, I think that's a concern. Now, interestingly, by the way, I looked it up yesterday, the Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell tandem on the floor defensive numbers aren't that bad. Now, they're usually with Rudy mm-hmm. um, almost exclusively. But still, to your point, that's the scenario we're talking about. Rudy will probably play 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Um, so, I, you know, they're actually, I think their defensive rating is about a 105. So it's not... So, yes, I think teams are looking forward to it, and, yes, they try to exploit it. Um, there's not data that shows they're having awesome success to it. I sometimes feel like you have to, you know, you see them bumping back Mike Conley, and then they score, you know, they try to they score, and then you're like, oh, Mike's too small, or Donovan's too short, which are true. It's a very small backcourt. And then I think we kind of don't see maybe the next two or three possessions where they try it again and it doesn't work. At least that's what the data shows. Um, you have that kind of stinging feeling the one time it happens. Um, but it does feel as though, and I think, you know, the Clippers actually have the same problem. Patrick Beverly's a beast, but Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams, if they're going to play backcourt together, um, are, are super small. Um, I'm curious to see what the Clippers do. I, I've said this all year long. I think they have a Lou Williams problem. Um, and, you know, and I don't know how Doc deals with it, but their closing lineup should be Patrick Beverly, 
Paul George playing the two, Kawhi Leonard playing the three, Marcus Morris playing the four, and Montrez Harrell playing the five. But that has Lou Williams off the floor, and I don't think he's you know, ready for that. And there's all sorts of stories of Clipper internal turmoil already this year where you know, a little bit of that one group that last year fought so hard and played so hard and was this gritty group is, you know, not in love with how much, how the way the culture has changed for the new superstars that are there and the way that they acquiesce to those superstars all the time. So to your point of Clipper cohesion, it could be an interesting, you know, final stretch to watch. But like, if you're the Clippers, I mean, I guess Kawhi's running the show, so you load manage because he says so. But, like, when we're all talking about one or two games being the difference between two or three or four or five, do you load manage? I think they're going to no matter what because Kawhi wants to and they want to keep him happy. Right. Could it drop him into a 4-5 series? Yes, it could. It may Clippers not, Rockets, but it could. Clippers-Rockets 4-5. Could you imagine that? I'm all in I mean, favor. That's a Western that. Conference Finals matchup. I'm I'm all in favor of that. I bet there are a lot of people listening to this right now. Think you know that would be a fine four or five series, and I would watch a yeah, lot of those be. games. Be pumped I mean, about Clipper, the M- the NBA. It would be a disaster for the NBA. Rockets, Clippers, four or five. One of those out. Clippers, Lakers, round two. One of those out. That is not what they. That is not what they're looking for. Oh well. So it's interesting. The Clippers don't draw. Like the TV ratings on the clip. The part of the reason the NBA TV ratings are so down is the Clippers don't draw. The Clippers are have terrible TV ratings. It's going to take a long time to build that brand up. Yes, I'm agreeing. <laughs> David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins hey, where, us. Where would PK go? No, I'm just listening to basketball savants. He's on his phone. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just killing time. Are you on Instagram again? No. Still. 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 Not again. Still. All right, David. Enjoy the break, and we will talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Talk to you soon.